Hello, I'm James George and welcome to Life in Football, the podcast that interviews top professionals working in different fields within our beautiful game. If you love football and dream about working full-time in sport, or if you're just a little bit nosy, then you've come to the right place. This week I'm joined by Norwich City Academy coach Jamie Lodes. Jamie's also coached at Chesterfield, Peterborough and Bath, as well as running his own private football coaching company. This is a great insight into what it's like coaching the future stars of the game. Hi Jamie, how's things with you? Hi, all good, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. So first of all, tell us about your current position at Norwich. Yeah, Norwich. So at Norwich, I currently work in the foundation phase, kind of head up the under nine age group, really. Uh, Previously worked quite a bit in the pre-academy and kind of like the recruitment development centres to kind of establish uh, potential young academy players. But yeah, mainly mainly heading up the nines and obviously as and when working across the foundation phase, really. Okay, and is that nine years old? Is that the age group that you start with at Norwich? Yeah, yeah, it's the first age group. So essentially, I kind of well before the season, I took the pre academy, which is like the under seven. Like I took the under eight age group, really. So kind of working on getting them into the academy, seeing them through their first year, making sure they're comfortable, making sure they're all good, and then putting them up, and then kind of seeing them out and hoping that their journey is a good one. When do you first start trying to bring talent into to Norwich? Is it under sevens that you have the pre-academy? Yeah, yeah. There's a pre-academy age group under sevens and then maybe towards the back end of a year, maybe a few under sixes. But yeah, I'd say that that's standard across all kind of professional football clubs, you know, within the P is kind of that under seven age group is where you start to identify, right, who could potentially be an academy player. And there, there is a pretty high success rate of kind of, if you look at, if you bring someone in at seven, are they going to get through to under nines and under tens? And, and quite a lot of the time that is, that is about right. And when they get to nine, are you only having people that have come through that, you know, pre-academy program or are you still uh, looking to bring in people who haven't come through that program? Yeah, no, no. Um, it's very much an ongoing process. Of course, in those two years of under sevens, under eights, you're never going to get all the best players within there. So it's it's an ongoing process and kind of people or players or children are kind of added added to the group as you go along and, and you know, children, there's different stages of development. So you're always kind of aware that you know, like we can get to the last week of the under eight season, all of a sudden, you know, someone pops up in a summer tournament and then they go straight into the group or they come in on trial and then go into the group. So that's kind of how that works. You've obviously been a part of actually trying to recruit and find players at a younger age group as well. So are you literally going around and finding players on school playgrounds or how are you finding the players at that age? I mean, I mean not really. Obviously, that my role is to coach them once they come in. And, you know, I'll pass on my opinion, but ultimately the decision isn't really mine. Um, I would say normally at that age, you know, there are some tricky decisions to be had. But generally, you know, the, the best players at nine will be standing out quite clearly. Um, obviously, a, a club the size of Norwich City has a big scouting base. And you would say, you know, there's a very there's a big team of people out there looking for players anyway. So, uh, you know, the best ones will kind of come in and then I'll have then I'll pass my opinion on what they're brought in. And then whether that gets listened to or not, you know, it'll always get taken into account, don't get me wrong. But it's it's one of those where you kind of have to respect, obviously other people have different opinions, but you just have to bring yours to the table as and when it's required, really. And how often do they train at that age group? Uh, Under nine, they'll train. So they'll train three times a week. 
Um, but that that would be two sessions on on one day where they'll kind of come in about four o'clock and then they'll kind of train to about half five, half half an hour break, and then go again six or seven thirty, and then they'll come in for a two set two hour session the next day. And then are they playing competitive games at that age? Um, competitive is a big word. Um, no, no scores are really noted. Although obviously it is interesting to kind of compare where you're at in comparison to kind of other other clubs. But no clubs take no scores are really taken. Nothing's marked down. And to be honest, no one really cares what the score is, um, apart from obviously the kids who are going nuts about whether it's eight seven or seven or. Um, but yeah, and then. It's not competitive in a sense, but obviously sometimes we, you know, they'll be entered into tournaments and stuff where there is a trophy on the line. But at the end of the day, as I say to them all the time, when they're coming off, you know, if if they're crying at the end of the game, so they lost the same. Like at nine years old in six weeks, you will not remember that game. Like you, just, like it just won't be an issue for you anymore. So you know, you don't need to worry about it. It's gone now. Just crack on to the next one. And at nine years old, do you have a really good feeling who were going to be the superstars, or at that age, uh, do you, you know, do you have an idea? So, as in at, at nine, it can be a bit. Uh, it is. It's informed guesswork, really. Um, sometimes, you know, you know, I've been at Norwich for a little while now, kind of the first age group I took now under 14, 15. So you, it's, it's interesting to see who's still there and who's kind of not still there. Most of the time, you, it's probably about right. It's kind of the, the ones that you would kind of expect are generally kept there for, for, for varying reasons, really. But is, you know, you can generally be fairly sure as to what, as to what is, is going to happen. But then obviously once they get, they hit that next age group. They get that little bit older. It's 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 right place, right time. Literally, you've just got to fit the right profile at the right time. But I'd say from nine to about under thirteen, you generally know, and then it starts becoming a little bit more, a little bit more hazardous as to who fits what profile at what time, and you know how their body develops and changes kind of through that pubescent period. So, yeah, you can have an informed opinion, but that only goes so far, really. And how did you end up getting into this job? What did you, you know, education-wise, what did you do? And tell us about your pathway to how you got to today. Uh, yeah, no, so I kind of started just at a local village team. I was still playing quite a lot. And I think my mum come home and just said, you know, there's the local village under eight team or whatever is really struggling. And my friend's son is playing in it and they need a coach just to help out. Do you want to just go up and give it a go? So I went up and give it a go. Quite enjoyed it. Uh led to me figuring out actually there's also a bit of money in this, you know, through community schemes and just running soccer schools, which is a really good grounding to kind of give you the confidence to speak in front of people and things like that. And I was kind of doing that, at, I'd say about 16. And then from there, built built that into doing little bits of the county FA and things like that. And just to make sure that that, that was going smoothly. And then I, uh, and then yeah, I went off to university, went to University of Bath, knowing that kind of coaching was, was a pathway as such for me. Um, went to the USA, did like a summer there on kind of the summer camps and things like that. And then within that, I then ended up uh, coming back. And as part of my course at Bath, I ended up doing a year as an intern with Chesterfield Football Club. What did you actually study? Uh, I studied, it's now being changed. At the time, it's called Sport and Social Sciences. I think now it's Sport Coaching and Development, I think, at Bath. So basically around the ground coaching. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few modules on coaching, a few modules on kind of PE and education, a few modules on, on sport and society and things like that. And then, yeah, the, the big hook for me was that, was that kind of internship year at Chesterfield where I got to work with, you know, some really talented coaches, uh, worked across the 18s. So I, I literally worked across the entire club from pre-academy under eight, you know, nines, tens, elevens, twelves, thirteens, and then all the way up into the, the under 18s, kind of assisting in sessions, taking a couple of team talks, doing warm-ups, things like that just really getting a good feel for it and you know I, I had to work hard at it and it was it was an intense year but just gaining the respect of some of, some of the people was a challenge in itself and I, yeah I was really happy that I managed to do that and then what what happened from there then uh so then I so then obviously you do a year and then you kind of have to go back and finish off your degree which which was a shame really because I feel like if there's the option to stay another year I would have 100 percent done it um but yeah when I finished my degree led one of the like the university football club basically um just as more coaching experience did my um dissertation around the triple p and how you can get more under 18s into the first team essentially um which although the grade might not have been the best but it was a really good experience to go out to all these different football clubs and see what they're doing in academies and that kind of thing and then yeah then obviously you kind of leave university and it's like right okay that was great but but what are we on to now and uh I was sure I wanted to work in football. I uh, took a job at so Norwich City's kind of development centre, running their girls' programme. So from 9 to 16, ran the girls' programme, tried to get girl, talented girls into the women's pathway of the football club. And within that, I then made the contacts to go and to go and be as part of the academy self as well. So it was intense. I was kind of living a long way away from Norwich at the time. So I was doing my job about an hour and a half away and then driving over to Norwich in the evening, doing my sessions and driving home again. So it was a lot, but yeah, a really good learning experience. Great. And then let's also move on to your other part of your, your job as well. You have your own coaching company. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 And so tell us a bit about that. Uh, yeah. No so I was working in a school working in Norwich part-time and then just so happened that one of the arts, other part-time members of staff is like a professional player that was doing it for basically to fill his day and um, he was playing for a part-time club at the time and kind of met through that you know became quite good friends and uh and you know stayed in contact and then he and then well I got lucky really because lockdown hit and then after the, the restrictions were lifted, all these football players that my friend knew wanted to do football sessions. So he was like, well, I know a guy that, that coaches for Norwich and he'll come and do it. So I had to do a lot of it for free. Um, but at the same time, I was working with kind of, I'd say outside of the Norwich City first team, probably like the best players in, in and around Norwich and kind of East Anglia. Just, just, just for free, just basically just putting a, a reasonably basic session on and just getting people to run around and, and get back into it and, and keeping fitness levels high and getting touches on the ball and and keeping people sharp, really. Um, and then within that, just made an Instagram page. And as soon as people see that you're working with this professional player, then the other professional player wants to work with you and then it kind of snowballs like that. So... Yeah, I got, I got, I got lucky. It was a bit of right place, right time. But then also, I had to see it through. And also, work good, hard good on it. for, good on for you for you know doing something for free. I think a lot of people don't realise that you often have to do that. You often have to do work experience. If you set up your own business, you have to do stuff for free to begin with, build up a reputation, and yeah, then absolutely. start charging. So, if someone wants to get coached by you, is it just professional players that you look after, or is it? No. 
amateur what level are you looking at so i i will happily work across all levels um you know i work with under nine grassroots kids to you know high football league players ex-premier league players um but i feel like that's part of coaching is being adaptable to the person in front of you and being able to deliver the football is football like it's the same information it's just being able to deliver it at the appropriate level uh, with the appropriate level of detail to make sure that the point gets across and that that's i think one of the biggest challenges um but yeah in terms of in terms of working for free it's uh I think unless you've had a professional career, I don't know many people that haven't had to do it at some point or another to get their foot into the game, really. And what is it you actually do in these sessions? Is it, you know, fitness? Is it improving technique? You know, shooting, defending? Is it a combination of all of it? Is it a bit dependent on the player? Yeah, so so it's a, it's a two-way process. The, the player will come to me. I, I always say to them, look, I'm not a personal trainer. I'm not going to be in the gym with you. So if you want someone that, you know, is, is going to do that kind of thing and improve sprint technique and all that, then that's the kind of person you need to go to. My bag is I am a football coach. Therefore, fitness is a byproduct, but we'll go through the te- technique. My whole thing is trying to create game-like situations. So I'll try and figure out, right, who, which team is this player playing for? What formation do they play? what are the tendencies of the player and what are the tendencies of the team and then try and create a training session based around that. But it's just me and the player. So we can rehearse movements and we can rehearse their reactions to different situations and positioning of other players. Uh, it, it, you know, obviously sometimes it doesn't quite work a hundred percent, but you have to kind of be tweaking it all the time, which is obviously what coaching kind of is. Okay. Maybe it's not a hundred percent realistic the way I'd want it. So let's move it along a little bit. And yeah, it's uh is it just one-on-one or do you occasionally get more than one player involved? Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, across really. Uh, pre-season, I, I had sessions where it's me and like 27 players because, again, as soon as local players hear that so-and-so is going to be there and, you know, it's a chance to train for pro, they're brilliant, they'll try and come along. It's not always possible for everyone to get involved because obviously you have to keep the level to a certain standard. But often... Often the sessions are one-to-one, but again, there's no issue if, if you know, they say, right, well, my mate plays for the same team or we want to run through these kind of movements. I think it's just about being adaptable to that. But no, because because of my background now, I've done loads of one-to-one. I've done, obviously, a lot of groups and teams. I feel quite comfortable in mixing it up and, make, and making sure that the session is relevant to the people in front of me. I know it's definitely useful because i'm thinking about players that i manage being a football agent and one of them the other day was you know i still feel he he can get better at his hold-up play being a striker and obviously they do a lot in training they're training every day but i still feel as though there might be extra things that they could spend a bit of time on and if they have a coach that could work on one particular aspect then it's definitely worthwhile for for any age group or or any level so i do highly recommend it and if if people want to get in touch with you just about that it'll probably be a good time to just mention how are what, what's your instagram for people to follow you on there yeah of course so my instagram is at jlfc11 so again if, if anyone wants to drop me a follow or you know just just start a conversation around it then yeah at jlfc11 or just Jamie Lowe's football coaching. If you just want to search that, then yeah, of course, more than happy to to speak with anyone around it, really, and how, and, and how the whole process works. And how much do you charge? Is it a flat fee for anyone, or uh, dependent on the session? How does it work? Yeah, so obviously there are people. It can be 
the people that have been me right from the very start or, you know, the, the guy that, that sorted me out in the first place, obviously have different pricing expectation. But generally, a £25 a session. Um, and then I'll kind of say, if you're bringing more than one person, then £10 a player. And then I feel like that's that's a fair reflection on the current kind of market and how it's going at the moment, really. And how long are the sessions? Uh, well, again, that depends on the player. The, the, the £25 is, is an hour. Um, but obviously, yep. you know, I've been... When I was first starting, I remember one pro, we were out probably two and a half hours easy, just rehearsing, like finding the videos of his game, rehearsing movement again and again and again and again. And yeah, easy two and a half hours is a good job. I didn't have a lot going on at the time, to be honest. And what what's the future plans for a coach like yourself? Do you normally, you know, do coaches who are coaching under nines, do they normally try and go up the age groups and eventually coach an under 18 and then go into men's football or are you, you know, are you coaching kids because that's the part of it you really enjoy? Yeah, I, th- I think, I think it's a tricky one because it's within, I wouldn't say within academies as such, although it's a bit of a point of banter every now and again, but the, the, the stigma from people who maybe haven't worked in it is if you're working with the under nines, you must be the worst coach in the academy. And if you're working with the under 23s, then you must be the best. Um, I mean, I'm not going to come on here and say I'm better than anybody because that would that would be wrong with me to say anything like that. But I feel like I very much enjoy working with the under nines. I don't think it's something that I don't feel like I am any less than another coach because of that. And, I, and luckily at Norwich, I'm not treated as such. But I think it's the case of the under nines is a really is a really kind of tough year because they come in without the understanding of the academy process and what's expected with them at the football club. And actually, you've got to teach that throughout the year. You know, it, the level of progress they can make within the year is massive. Whereas if I were to, I don't know, if I were to take maybe under 11s, for instance, they know the deal, they know what it is, and you're just adding detail to detail to detail. There's also a lot of coaches who coach under 18s, as an example, wouldn't be able to coach under nines. You say you've got to set expectations and uh, and there's a lot that you've got to do, but you've also got to be unbelievably friendly, I I, I suppose. There's going to be a lot of shy kids who were scared about going into an environment like that. And you've got got to be fun as well. And and I, I bet there's a lot of personality traits that you have which a lot of other coaches just won't have and not be able to do it yeah that's a tricky one to be honest whenever i hear someone say like oh i can only work with older ones i can only do 15 and older then you're a little bit like well what that's great and i i respect what you're saying but at the same time to to be like the best the best coach you really can you kind of have to diversify that and yeah it often works that way around i see i have seen in the past a lot more people that can't work with under nines but can maybe with under 18s whereas most under nines coaches if you know can work with under 18s you know they they can do it all as such and that to be fair come from one of my university lecturers when i was in uh when i was at bath he kind of said i think he was a badminton coach but he was like if you ever hear anyone say their speciality is like under 12s or if they say they can't work with younger ones then just they're, they're they're just clearly not the best of what they do because a good coach can work with absolutely anyone. And that's something that I take pride in, you know, trying to work with, you know, a, a six year old who doesn't even like football and being able to get uh, a desirable outcome out of a football session, but then also being able to, to take sessions with 
33 year olds who have played in the Premier League, you know what I mean? So it's, it's just really broadening my skill set. And as I say, I'm only, what, 26. So it's trying to be the most complete package as a coach as you can be, especially when you haven't got professional playing experience, which unfortunately I don't. I would obviously love to, but then, it, yeah, you, you need to be able to show that you can. Okay, put me the, the under-16s coach is ill. Like, put me in, I'll give it a go and see how that goes. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting process to, to genuinely get better and to genuinely be able to possess those personality traits because I probably naturally aren't, well, I'm not the most lively, bouncy person day to day all the time, but I know as soon as I turn up to the training ground for those for that hour, two hours, I've got to be, you know, fake, fake, fake it till I make it. It's such, you know, bouncy, lively, having loads of fun with the kids. I, I come away exhausted most of the time, especially if I have to, to, you know, do a long drive after the session. But that that that's what it is, and you know, I, and some sometimes it slips. It's not always possible to to keep it going the whole time and you kind of have to pick your moments when you go right I can chill out for a minute now and kind of let them crack on but yeah some of the energy like you have to have you know our training ground when the younger ones are in is a is quite a loud place yeah I, I've coached pretty much all all age groups and it's great fun but you are right it is tiring it's uh I can imagine you're quite tired at the end of it and in regards to the the kids how far do they often travel to Norwich? What's the kind of scope from Norwich that people are actually coming to? Yeah, so so the the, the Premier League and or the Football League set those regulations. So we're allowed to sign players from, I believe, it's an hour and fifth. So from their home address to the training ground is no more than an hour and fifteen minutes. And do you find that you literally you get people down the road and another people an hour and fifteen minutes? You just got a complete scope of players from all over yeah, the place. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. It's it really is just a case of of where the, these players are. As long as they're hitting that that hour and fifteen, then brilliant. But yeah, some some kids, when you, you really think about it, you know, at nine years old, going to school for for a full day and then getting straight in the car, or even being let off early from school and then coming down and training for a whole evening and then leaving at half seven, getting back at nine o'clock at night and then going again the next day. It's a lot for a nine-year-old kid or even sometimes an eight-year-old kid. So, you know, we also have to set expect realistic expectations around that. So, you know, one of my, my friends, especially now at the start of the season, is to tell the new under nines, like, you've gone for an environment where, don't get me wrong, it always is fun. It has to be fun. They have to enjoy it. But you've gone from an environment where it's potentially less serious. You're not training as much. You're not playing a game for Norwich every weekend, but now you're training three times a week and playing a game against, like, you know, some of the best kids in the country on a Sunday. You're not going to be a 10 out of 10 performance every week. And, and watching them try and understand that is, is quite interesting because obviously that's when you get the tears and you get the, them being upset and the panic, am I going to be released and all that kind of thing, which is, which is difficult to deal with sometimes, but, but yeah, even even for the kids five minutes down the road, it's it, it can be a demanding program, and and it it's really crucial to support them through that. And during your time coaching, have you got any funny stories or interesting stories that you can share <laughs> with us? It's always what we end with on the podcast. <laughs> it it depends on uh, how Stuff that you're allowed uh, to share with us. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. At least at least with the under nines, it's always a bit more. Uh, it's always obviously an environment like that. Uh, I mean, the, the favorite one is always around Christmas time. And, you know, you get them discussing what Santa's bringing them and stuff. And then someone will accidentally drop in. What's mum and dad getting you for Christmas? 
and you know the the heartbreak of Father Christmas isn't real, or well, yeah, th- things like that. Really, it's just the innocence of nine year olds. Like last week, I had to stop a training session because a hot air balloon flew over the training ground. <laughs> yeah. <just> like, <laughs> I have completely lost these kids now, so I'm just gonna sack this off for five minutes, let them wave at it, let them let them admire it, and then we'll get on with it again. And yeah, you get it. And just kid stuff, really. Like you get them running into goalposts all the time, and and they like to take the mick out of each other a lot. But yeah, it is it is always a fun environment because again, they're, they're generally quite confident kids in general, but they do come out with some with some fairly funny stuff. But yeah, as I say, for the uh, for the staff and stuff like that, it, it tends to be a little bit more uh, a little bit less PG, I would say. And what are the parents like? Because we've all experienced the over-eager parent swearing and on the sideline and getting into fights. How have you found it with the parents? Uh, it's an interesting one. I mean, generally, absolutely brilliant, it has to be said. At Norwich, because of the social kind of economic area, it tends to be parents get it. They kind of they, they don't come in too rowdy, but then but then sometimes also it, it, it can be quite good when they're a bit rowdy because it creates a bit of an atmosphere. I mean, last during the preseason just got or during the end of last season we played Atletico Madrid in a tournament and the atmosphere around the game was unbelievable. You know, everyone yeah, it's Atletico Madrid, so everyone in this tournament in London's coming round the side of the pitch to watch. Their uh, air horns going off and the boys are trying to play football like it in a in a really good atmosphere. So yeah, it can be. It can be pretty lively, but in general, in general, they're great. But obviously, you have to manage the the expectation both on the kid and on the football club because it can be easy to get carried away with the process and think, right, my kids are playing for Norwich City Football Club, and now the obvious pathway is to at least a scholarship and then a professional contract. Might you know? Um, and when that doesn't happen, that can often be the trickier trickier conversation I'm lucky I don't have to have those conversations as such but it's when a parent I'm not a parent but parents always want to see the best in their kids right they always want to believe they are the best because you know that is the person they love probably more than anyone else so then having to say or subtly hint throughout the year actually he's he's struggling a little bit here and he's not quite hitting the expectation that could that can always be a difficult either realisation or conversation because they don't always realise when it's time to have that conversation. And that's when things can get a little bit a little bit tricky. We've actually found that, that the club will often tell us before they tell the parents just to let you know he's not yeah. doing well. There's a chance of him getting getting released. You should start looking at, you know, some other clubs, for example. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've, uh, we've had that before. I think I think the bet yeah the best thing that happens is the parents kind of get told well you, this is it you can't even at nine years old you can't uh, be overly positive really because if if you're saying yep yeah, brilliant yeah he's fine then obviously when it comes to the day where decisions have to be made then all of a sudden they're well you've said he was fine the whole time like you can't you have to set that you have to set the bar of where they're at quite reasonably but obviously they're regular review meetings regular regular contact with parents regarding that and then yeah it's literally just managing the expectations of the parent I think that's that's the most important thing but it can it can be really really difficult we're lucky in that well I think all category one academies have it where all the games are filmed so most of the feedback's video based so if a parent says oh they played really really well then 
know, here's four or five examples where they haven't fit, met our expectation of what we wanted them to do uh, and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, I would say. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Jamie. It's been really insightful no finding out more about what it's like, uh, you know, working with under nines and also your, your work working with footballers one-on-one, et cetera, as well. Yeah. Really appreciate you coming on, Jamie. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening and please give us a follow on Twitter at Life in Footy and we will see you next week for another episode of Life in Football.